The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back into another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Report. It is Friday, September 15th, two days away from the Kansas City Chiefs taking on the Jacksonville Jaguars in week two of the NFL season. Trying to see if they can avoid an 0-2 start against another serious AFC contender. Joined as always by the leader and chief of Arrowhead Pride, Pete Sweeney. Sween. Friday we had Mm -hmm. a pretty good Thursday night football game I hope you won some money and I hope it was beneficial for you in the way that it was beneficial for me last night yeah you are just beaming right now Uh, (laughs) if you want if you're serving up me to tell the people what happened Steve Steve cashed on a single game parlay for what was it north of 275 dollars or something like that so it's a it's a nice Friday 300 yeah about 300 nice uh, nice little Thursday bonus for me if you're watching us and and we're doing this on Friday Live, so you guys can tweet and Facebook and and send us questions, uh, you can see that I, I'm like one of those bungee jumpers at Arrowhead Stadium. There's something going on in my camera today where I'm floating, and so I, I always wanted to have that thrill. And and this is I, I think as close as I'm ever gonna get because Steve, I'm as you know, I'm deathly afraid of heights, so I would never really do that. But it, it kind of looks like it if you're watching the live stream. Did you lose me, Steve? No, I was getting a scam call, and it uh, it made my computer <laughs> freeze for a second. Um, I don't know what's going on with that. I've been getting a lot of those this week. I don't know. Anything can happen on the live Arrowhead Pride report here, as you can see. Uh, no, but you look great this morning, Pete. Thank you. Um, ca- camera issues aside, uh, right. I, I think you look fine. That the hair is flowing today. <laughs> it is ready for week two. It, it's yeah. like it's as if yeah. you were headed to Jacksonville yourself. Sure. This morning, so. Yeah. Yeah. No. Thank you. Uh, it it feels like it's a good hair day, so I'm happy about that too. <laughs> so. We've talked about this game a ton this week. Obviously, it's a huge week two matchup for the Kansas City Chiefs. And, you know, the injury report is not long this week for the Kansas City Chiefs. And that's what you want to see. Travis Kelsey has been limited all week. Uh, Legereus Sneed has been limited all week. And Chris Jones has been limited all week. But that's kind of part of his ramp up period after reporting to the team and ending his holdout. As of right now, uh, ahead of Friday's practice and the final injury report ahead of Sunday's game, I'm feeling pretty confident that everybody on the Chiefs roster is going to be up in week two uh, against this ascending Jacksonville team. Yeah, I I tend to think uh, as I'm 
looking at the status reports from this week, I, I've been mentioning that I, I tend to think that like Legereus Sneed might get this limited treatment the entire year. I've said that. I, I don't think I'm overly concerned about that. I do still feel like Travis Kelsey is up in the air. So if I'm doing my early prediction and I mean, who really needs it? We're going to see by mid afternoon anyway, but I, I would tend to think Chris Jones will have no status, meaning he'll play for sure in some capacity. And I, I still think Travis Kelsey's going to get hit with the questionable tag. I, I think they're just making sure they're crossing their T's or dotting their I's just to make sure that uh, the risk of re-injury is not there for Kelsey. Uh, even after the loss last week, there is no reason to put Travis Kelsey out there because you need him for the 15 games. You're certainly going to need him for the playoffs. Uh, and we know the Chiefs' goals every year is not to just win the division and make the playoffs. It's to win the Super Bowl. And so they're going to be careful with Travis even after the loss. And I just tend to think, again, that he will be questionable. But we'll see. We'll see. We'll keep you updated at Arrowhead Pride this afternoon. And I think obviously getting Chris Jones back is going to be a huge boost to the defense mm-hmm. that looked pretty good in week one, but you still need your game wrecker. Uh, you still need the superstar that this thing is all built around. So we'll see how many reps he gets on Sunday. Uh, you know, after agreeing to his one year contract that is loaded with incentives uh, and the way for him to make all of his money back and maybe get a little bit extra on top after this offseason holdout and all these fines is for him to play and play really well. So we'll see where he's at on Sunday. But I tend to think that, you know, the Chiefs might try to ramp him back up slow. Like maybe he only plays like 50 percent of the snaps or something like that. But I have yeah. to imagine that Chris Jones wants to get on the field and make an impact so he could try to start carving a dent into some of these incentives he's looking to make this season. Yeah, when when coaches are are talking about players returning from injury or situations like this, they tend to always say the same thing. Like, we got to hold the player back from himself. But I I know that Chris Jones probably didn't actually enjoy being away for the team for this long. I'm sure there was a part of him that was happy that he didn't have to go through training camp because training camp, as we know, especially with Andy Reid, can be extremely brutal but he's he's itching the play based upon everything that we're hearing we get a a 20 25 minute look out at practice on wednesday and thursday and you could tell that he's enthusiastic travis kelsey i know that aaron posted that video of chris jones and travis kelsey kind of embracing jumping into each other i mean i i think the entire group has a better feel to it with the band back together and if you go back to my twitter twitter.com slash pg sween ron cop our lead analyst helped me make this tweet yesterday and and Steve Spagnola was describing the difference of having Chris Jones and not having Chris Jones. And I, I thought it was really interesting. He brought up a, a Mike Dana sack. And if you look at the Dana sack from uh, the last game against the Detroit lions, uh, what Spagnola was describing is like the only way that this could have happened is if everybody did their job on this particular play, Trent McDuffie looked to be following uh, Amron St. Brown uh, in man, but they also had a double call where Mike Edwards was on the other side to make sure that they locked him up. Jared Goff sees that a little bit of a delay. Mike Dana is able to do what he does inside and and get the sack. And so what Steve is saying is when you have Chris Jones, sometimes you don't need all 11 because Chris Jones is almost worth two or three players. And so it really changes the game when it comes to the Chiefs defense. And if you're looking for a bright spot the other night, I, I thought they played pretty damn well without Chris Jones. So now you inject him into the lineup. And I feel like the Chiefs got to be feeling pretty good on that side of the ball. And like I said, I I think Kelsey's going to be questionable. But if he plays, 
the vibes will be right uh, in, in Duval County, and, and that shouldn't spell good things for, for those Jaguars. Uh, I don't think both of these players, if they do play, will receive the usual number of snap counts, but Steve Spagnuolo would not put a number on Chris Jones specifically. And I want to remind you guys, if you got any questions about Chiefs Jags, uh, just jump into the comment section. We'll get to those here before we wrap. Um, and I want to stick with the defensive side of the ball because we've been previewing all week long this Jaguars offense, which they were good against Indianapolis. I, I don't think they were like so impressive that I'm like scared of this Jacksonville team just yet and, and what they could potentially mm -hmm. be later on in the season. But that's also like a divisional game, and those matchups are all are always weird. So, and it's week one, so you don't want to take too much away from that performance. But the Chiefs are going to have their hands full, and in week one, yeah, the defense was good. But you were talking about Spags and the way he had to kind of adjust yeah. not having Chris Jones. Like he was dialing up a lot of blitzes and trying to manufacture pressure, and I don't think you can do that against Jacksonville. Not the way that Calvin Ridley looked in week one and Christian yeah. Kirk, we know burned the chiefs pretty well last season when they played Travis Etienne was more involved in week one in, in the Jags passing game than he was at any point during all of last season. And that's a scary thing because he's a really talented explosive playmaker. And then Evan Ingram and Zay Jones, like this is a very, very talented Jacksonville offense led by their superstar quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, and they're going to have to get some pressure on this offensive line. And now the Jags injury report is pretty short this week, too. But the biggest names you need to know are Brandon Scherf and Luke Fortner, two starting offensive linemen for them. Uh, both did not practice earlier in the week. They were limited on Thursday. So we'll monitor their status on Friday and ahead of the game, because if for some reason both those guys can't go, that's a huge matchup advantage for the Chiefs and hopefully Chris Jones getting back on the field. Yeah, Chris Jones is well rested. I mean, that that's one of the positives about this holdout that lasted through week one. And you look on the other side of it, and the Jaguars are looking like they're gonna have to play backups at at those offensive line positions. It it tends to look like Scherf is the one uh that is less likely to play. Fort Nord, they they it seems like there is some optimism that he could go, but so the key part of that is like looking at that that right side of the Jags offensive line. I, I think the Chiefs really feel like they can take advantage of that. This is an interesting matchup, Steve. You mentioned that the Jags, I, I thought themselves against the Colts, they they seem to be in a way knocking off the rust just like everybody else, but also in that effort, they were able to score 31 points. So I don't I don't think this is just going to be a thing where the Chiefs are going to go down and just be able to bully them when it comes to the offensive side of the football. I, I think the Chiefs defense is going to give up some points and we'll see if the Chiefs can end up having more points themselves uh, by the end of the game. I I also want to make the point, too, like this is in a way a weird pseudo division game because this is the third time in 11 months that the Chiefs are playing the Jaguars. They saw them last year. They saw them in the playoffs, and now they get them early on in the season. And so we always talk about that football cliche, and it's something that a lot of people say that it's really tough to beat a team three times in one year. This is falling into that category, although it's kind of an atypical situation. It's usually against a division team in the playoffs. And so talk to Steve Spagnuolo about that. That was one of my questions uh, yesterday, and he believes that there are going to be certain looks on tape, and, and this will be on both sides, where – uh, you believe the Jags are doing something from the two games that maybe you played them in and they're pivoting completely different. But the coaching staff is, is well aware of this. It, it seems like Spagnuolo is coaching them up in that fa fashion. It's just like 
there's going to be some disguising here on on both sides of the ball of you know we saw this twice uh both last year and in the playoffs and they could be doing something completely different so i think that factors into it as well and makes this more intriguing i also think like last point on on jags chiefs i think chiefs and bills and chiefs and bengals gets a lot of the rivalry respect i think the jags are a pretty good up and coming team and i as if you guys follow my my picks i'd make the picks before the year i have the jags based on division and their schedule uh, and the chiefs and you know their division beating each other up i have the jags doing that like 2021 bye week that like the titans got the titans were fortunate with their schedule and they just kind of backdoored their way into the top seed but i think the jags in what they have in front of them this year could end up being that top seed in the AFC. So this is a legitimate team. And I just don't think it's getting the respect right now uh, of, of chiefs Bengals. But I think when we look at maybe this matchup a year or two from now, it might be one of those teams that, that you see the chiefs battling with year in and year out to, to win the conference and move on to the Super Bowl. Yeah. I think the Jags are for real. I think Dougie P is a really good head coach. I think the silver Lawrence Fox is, call him is, silver Fox with that hair <laughs> and the visor. Yeah. Speaking of speaking of good flow. I mean, you got to really respect what Doug Peterson does. Yeah. There. I, I think they're legitimate contenders and uh, mm-hmm. a really, really talented young ascending and exciting football team. Um, you mentioned kind of the revenge factor, and we talked about that on Show MBK this week, and that's available for you guys uh, this morning on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, so make sure you go check it out. We got over an hour uh, of great stuff for you ahead of this game. Um, but we kind of talked about that revenge game factor, and I also talked to Jags beat reporter John Chipley yesterday and asked him about that. And, you know, the Chiefs ended uh, the Jags season la- last year. They also beat them in the regular season. And so there probably is uh, some revenge factor kind of stuff to this where I have to assume mm-hmm. that Jacksonville, like, you know, we talk about teams circling games like the Chiefs are an opponent that everybody kind of circles and says, like, we can make a statement by beating that team because of who the Chiefs are at this point. But I think there's also some revenge factor here that we're not talking about with Patrick Mahomes, like. You remember back to that playoff game where he gets hurt and has to exit the game and Chad Henney comes in and like and just like how devastated he was that he had to go out of that game for even a snap. And they still wind up winning that game in large part to Isaiah Pacheco and a Chad Henney led scoring drive. But it was still a close contest. And I think these are two pretty evenly matched teams for the most part. But I think that Patrick Mahomes there's a little bit of revenge factor here with him that we're not talking about because of the injury last season. And because prior to that, he looked like he was going to go absolutely insane in that playoff game. And then also the chiefs just overall poor performance in week one. I think back to when he was speaking to the media after their loss to the lions and he was like, yeah, I'm always embarrassed when we lose, but he seemed particularly upset about losing week one, kicking off the NFL season And so at some point, if we get a larger sample size of like Patrick Mahomes, just not making these things work, then we can start to have the, we can start to have the discussions about the wide receivers and like, maybe it's just not going to work this season. Maybe this group just isn't what we thought it was going to be, but he has done it every time. Every time we've doubted him, Patrick Mahomes is like, okay, I'll just go throw throw for 350 and four touchdowns. And I kind of feel like that's the kind of performance that we're going to get out of him this week based yeah. on just his down performance in week one. Yeah, I don't know if it's revenge necessarily against the Jaguars because they were able to get those wins, but it is almost revenge against like himself in week one. I don't think Patrick Mahomes felt like he played 
the best possible game he could have in week one <clears throat> certainly wasn't helped by the Chiefs dropping the football. I actually looked this up for AP Premier. We have a Premier newsletter option now at arrowheadpride.com. If you're interested, there's more information at the top of the site. We also have it in the bottom, too, if you want looking for just more information about what you get out of the newsletter. But I, I wanted to quantify, in a way, what is scorched earth that you hear a lot of, like Patrick Mahomes, look, look, look like when he plays angry in a way coming from a loss. And so uh, I looked up all the games after a loss that the Chiefs have suffered in the regular season with Patrick Mahomes. Uh, he's 13 and three, Steve, 372 of 571. So that's a 65% completion percentage, 4,467 yards. It's about 280 per game, a 42 to 15 touchdown to interception ratio. And again, that's over 16 games. And so that's a pretty damn good season, if you will. Um, if you count all the games of, of Mahomes uh, after a loss, and I, I always think he comes into these games after a loss ultra-motivated. He's not undefeated, so I, I thought that was a, a small interesting point, but the numbers are usually pretty good, and I, I tend to think we get a ticked-off pat that's pretty accurate on, on Sunday. And you know, you talk about the wide receiver room. Uh, I think they have something to prove as well. So we'll see how the, the wide receivers respond to what was a poor effort in week one. Again, you guys can jump into the comments if you have any questions. We're only going to be around for a few more minutes here. But I, I, as far as the offensive game plan goes against th this Jaguars defense, and they've got a nice pass rush. Like Josh Allen is a legitimate pass rush player who is an impact player for their defensive line. And Trayvon Walker looked like he's improved in week one. Yeah. We'll still see the have to see the larger sample size of development from the former number one overall pick because he did not have a great rookie season, uh, but they can give you some problems, but I'm still very confident in the chiefs offensive line. I thought they were really good in week one, despite Aiden Hutchinson getting moved around and giving them some matchup problems. Overall, they played really well and having Travis Kelsey back this week is obviously going to open up the offensive game plan, but Pete or. Er you know, just after practice, after seeing how this team is going to react after a week one loss, like, do you feel confident in trying to predict one of these wide receivers stepping up and making an impact on Sunday? Or are you still kind of like, oh, yeah. they're going to play six, seven guys, and I have no idea who's going to have the big game? Yeah, well, I did my 6-10 thing with Carrington that I do on, on Wednesdays, and he was kind of asking, well, which wide receiver do you trust? And Man, I look foolish when I say this, but I think it's Sky Moore. I really do. I, I feel like he looked really, really good during the month of training camp. And I I know that it's just training camp and he looked not so great uh, last week. Um, but I, I think he's taken accountability. I think he's looking forward. I One of the things that stuck out about the press conference yesterday is he essentially said, I probably should have caught that ball on that long drive to extend the game and it would have made all the difference in the world I think he knows that I, I think the wide receiver room as a whole is embarrassed I think that the Chiefs are going to stick with with Sky and of course Kadarius um, in the way that they did last week they don't just like go away from a guy uh, for a, a bad game or anything like that however I, I I trust Sky I think he'll get the snaps again to make an impact I would personally like to see more snaps from Rasheed Rice I think he came in with uh, at I believe it was 20 last game. And to me in those 20, he showed in a way that he belonged. I know that it, it's not common for rookies to get this nod where they, they get more opportunities because they are a first year player. And I, and an interesting point was uh, Andy Reid had been asked this week about Deshaun Jackson. That was the last player that a rookie player 
wide receiver that led uh, the room for Andy Reid in, in receiving yards as a rookie. That goes all the way back to 2008. So that's how uncommon it is. But I, I think the tape for Rice is, is a little bit undeniable here, and, and we'll see if he gets more snaps in 20. I, I tend to think you got to give him a little bit more. And, and see what happens. And so really interested in, in number four this week. Uh, I, I think he is a player to watch, but I'm not giving up on Sky Moore. Preseason, I predicted Sky Moore to lead the Chiefs wide receivers in receiving yards. He had a nice uh, big round goose egg, Steve, in week <laughs> one, but I'm sticking, I'm sticking to my guns. I think Moore is going to be that player for the Chiefs this year. So no faith in Kadarius Tony, huh? Just to get mentioned at all. <laughs> I don't like Kadarius. I, I I do. I I think he's an explosive player. It is I just have a hard time when I'm doing these prediction type of things, like assuming or or trying to believe that he's gonna always make it through the game. You know, I, I and so with that in mind, I, I feel like I do that old cliche. The availability is is always important, right? Um, your best ability thing, and uh, and not that I don't think Kadarius is, is a a complete asset to the team. He's great when he's when he can stay on the field. He, he's outstanding. Rare bad game. You know, Andy Reid has said countless times already that that Kadarius just doesn't drop the football. I I believe that. I think it was great of him to face it on both both Chris Jones and Kadarius. They were the um, first among the podium this week. They just were like, let's rip this Band-Aid off. We know that this is going to be uh, tough. And, uh, you know, Kadarius did, <laughs> didn't, didn't really want to talk about the trade. Saves that for social media. But uh, I don't know. I just have a hard time predicting him the lead in yardage when I just don't know if he's going to make it through a game, you know. And I thought Brandon Kylie brought up a good point this week when he said, like, Kadarius needs to prove that he's a wide receiver, that he's not just uh, a gadget, gadget. weapon. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. And, and I think that that's true. That's really true in the way that the Chiefs have utilized him. Like, even in week one, you know, without Travis Kelsey, we saw Patrick Mahomes try to go to him in really big spots of the game. And obviously, he just couldn't put it together that week but we've seen him do that last season when he came over to the chiefs and they deployed him they were deploying him on a very minimal amount of snaps but when they were putting him in the game they were utilizing him in a lot of different ways Mm. and they're the ones that were hyping him up as we believe he can be our wide receiver one and right now he's proven that he's an explosive athlete and that he can be a guy that you use in lots of different and creative ways but he's kind of playing more into that mccall hardman role right now than he is like that number one wide receiver Tyreek Hill kind of role for the Chiefs and well he still has to prove that when you miss all training camp due to injury I think the Chiefs were game planning in other fashions of and I and that goes back to the the injury thing and I don't ever want to call an injury uh, player an injury prone especially when they're in the third year it could just be unlucky you know unlucky at that point and but until he plays a full season and and can show the Chiefs, hey, I can play 16, 17 games here. I just think the Chiefs have to have other game plans in mind. And so you end up having a package for Tony rather than making him a focal point of the offense because, like again, you don't know necessarily if, if he is going to be able to last. And I, I just don't think you build a complete offensive game plan around him. However... Uh, someone who has been rather durable has been Travis Kelsey. And so the second I think you inject him to the lineup, everything we're talking about among these wide receivers, everything gets easier. Kind of like Chris Jones on the other side that I was talking um, with Steve Spagnolo about. Everything gets easier when Travis Kelsey is in the lineup because 
just takes so much attention away and you're, you're got, you're gifted the one-on-ones and that speed, that, that break, that Kadarius Tony, the, you know, that elite um, ability to stop and kind of change directions and break away from a, a player. Now it's one-on-one instead of maybe getting additional attention. Same thing with Sky Moore and, and go on and on with the offensive weapons of the Chiefs. So the sooner uh, Travis Kelsey can get back in this lineup, I, I know that all of the players on the offensive side of the football are looking forward to that. So one question before we get out of here from Joshua Dooley, and you guys relied on the questions today, so you must be pretty confident in this matchup against the Jags <laughs> on Sunday. But why is everyone ignoring MVS? Um, I, I think it's because we know exactly who MVS is, and I he had that huge catch uh, for Patrick Mahomes last week against the Lions. And I think MVS is kind of just – you're stable veteran wide receiver. You know what he can do. You know he can make some big-time catches and some big moments of the game. But he that's kind of who he's always been his entire career. He's not somebody who's going to come out here and have 1,400 receiving yards or something like that. He's far, he's far along enough in his NFL career that we know exactly who he is. And we don't expect some kind of like drastic improvement year over year. From yeah, he's been in the league for a long time. I, I think we, we did chat last year when he first came to the chiefs about him being a more complete receiver than he was in green Bay, where, you know, you look at the way that the year was, it was kind of what he did in green Bay when it came to stretching the field. Occasionally he would pop with a big catch. There were some games where the chiefs really, really needed him to step up. And in big time games, thinking about the AFC title game, and he was able to do that. But it, I think I'll piggyback on your point, Steve. I, I just don't think he's going to be a week to week yardage leader because you know circumstances seem to have to go his way for him to pile up that yardage it just like it's the difference between a kelsey and an mbs kelsey if he's up in nine times out of ten patrick mahomes is going to be looking at him most of the game if not every single play first Uh, i just don't know if marquez is ever going to be that guy we're not ignoring him i think he's an important part of this team but more so in the role player fashion than anyone that's going to be a a go-to guy so to speak yeah, I, I totally agree. And he's Pete Sweeney. Follow him on Twitter at PG Sweeney. I'm Steven Serta. That's where you can find me. Uh, make sure you're locked into arrowheadpride.com. We got everything you need to know about this matchup on Sunday against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Make sure you're locked into the Arrowhead Pride podcast network as well. Got a fresh episode of Kingdom Keys coming your way Saturday to pregame this thing before we get to Sunday's uh One of only two noon kickoffs for the Kansas City Chiefs. We are very excited about that here at Arrowhead Pride. We will take a noon kickoff where we can get one. As always, (laughs) please make sure you subscribe, rate, and review everything that we are doing here on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. If you want to submit questions for the Friday live stream, you can also do that in the reviews, and and we'll get to them every Friday around 9 a.m., right here on all of the Arrowhead Pride channels. But we got a big game on Sunday between the Chiefs and Jags. We will talk to you guys then.